We always have so many things to tell our audience about here at Intelligence Squared, so when I'm needing a top-down view of it all, I don't want to feel like I'm looking at organised chaos. That's why I really love Notion, which lays out different threads of work in a beautifully designed layout, and despite all of its clever AI tech going on in the background, it feels as clear and easy as putting pen to paper. Remember that? But with Notion, you can do a lot more than jot down a few thoughts. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. And thanks to its AI-powered model, the way it works is so intuitive, every question has an answer. I still love my paper notebook, but sitting next to Notion, it might need to up its game a little bit. Try Notion for free and up your game too when you go to notion.com slash squared. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash squared, lowercase. So you can start turning ideas into action. And when you use the link, you're supporting a Intelligence Squared 2. That's Notion.com slash squared. Welcome to Intelligence Squared. I'm Connor Boyle. It's the Sunday debate, and after a tense election for France, we're hearing from two experts about what the result means for the future of politics in the country. Here's our host, the cultural historian and broadcaster, Shahida Bari, with more. Last Sunday, Emmanuel Macron became the first sitting president of France to be re-elected since 2002. Macron won 58.5% of the vote and his far-right opponent Marine Le Pen took 41.5%. But while Macron won the election, France's far-right has now boldly established itself in the political mainstream. For the past two decades, the far-right, the Le Pen family in particular, has been gaining steady ground. In 2002, Jean-Marie Le Pen gained 18% of the vote against Jacques Chirac. In 2017, his daughter Marine Le Pen almost doubled that, taking 34% of the vote. And now, five years on, with 41.5% of the vote, it's clear to see this momentum only growing. In his victory speech, President Macron acknowledged that many of my compatriots voted for me not to back my ideas, but to keep out those of the far right. So, is it the formidable figure of Marine Le Pen who is redefining French politics, or is it Macron swallowing the middle ground at the expense of his more moderate peers on the left and right, who has paved the way for populist rhetoric and more extreme candidates? Today, we're debating the following motion. Macron paved the way for populism in France, with two guests. With me, I have Vincent Martini, Professor of Political Science at the University of Nice and Research Associate at the Centre for Political Research at Sciences Po Paris, the Paris Institute of Political Studies. And joining Vincent is Jean-Yves Camus, an expert in political radicalism and a fellow at the Centre for Analysis of the Radical Right. Welcome to the podcast, Vincent and Jean-Yves. Thank you for joining us. Shall we tackle the debate head on by thinking about Macron's first term? Did Macron's first term pave the way for the likes of Le Pen? Vincent, perhaps you could go first. Yes, I think he did. I think by the way that he installed uh, the idea of a confrontation between a central space, which he represented... Uh, combining the moderate left and the moderate right. Uh, He's been organizing a a face-à-face with the extreme right as the only potential opposition that has been existing. So, yes, I think to start very, very briefly with a short answer, I think he completely did. Also, because 
as opposed to Marine Le Pen, he's been organizing a political platform very much dedicated to winners of globalization, winners of the European construction, uh, as opposed to Mrs. Le Pen, who her, for herself, organized a political platform dedicated to those who had to suffer from the EU, suffer from globalization, suffer from some sort of international competition caused by uh, the free market or the promotion of the free market. And in this also, there's been a, a duel that's been instated for a long time by Emmanuel Macron uh, uh, in order to be in this situation in which he would oppose Marine Le Pen. This took the form in 2017 of a, a, a duel between what he called the progressists, the people believing in progress, and the nationalists or les enracinés, rooted, uh, I don't know how you can translate that into English, uh, who were represented by Mrs. Le Pen. Jean-Yves. I agree with uh, what has been said before, but uh, the way has been page for Le Pen uh, well before that. You have to remind that the party was founded in 1972 as a very French movement with less than 1% of the vote. But as early as 1984, for the first time in history since 1945, this extreme right party gained more than 10% of the vote and sent 10 MEPs to the European Parliament. So this is a steady rise. And uh, Macron, of course, for the reasons Vincent just uh, um, underlined, uh, has paved the way more than uh, his predecessors for the rise of the National Front. But anyway, this is a long-time trend, and this party does not come from nowhere. You also have to remind that Marine Le Pen is at the end of the party since January 2011. So it's more than 10 years, and in those 10 years, she's been able to steadily change the image of that party in French public opinion, so that today only 50% of the French think that she is a danger to democracy, whereas 20 years ago, that was more than 70%. And in this election, Eric Zemmour was seen as a danger to democracy by 70% of the French. So that's a very long-time trend. Geneviève, if it is a long-term plan, what is the future? Marine Le Pen hinted that if she was not elected, she would not run again. But in her concession speech on on Sunday, she said, in this defeat, I can't help but feel a form of hope. I will never abandon the French. So will we, we see a third presidential campaign from Le Pen in 2027? Uh, one very important thing you have to know is that in France we will elect uh, the members of the lower house uh, next month or in two months from now, uh, but we have no proportional. We have absolutely no proportional, which means that not only the national rally, but all those small parties or say second rank parties from both the left and the right have almost no representation. In 2017, Marine Le Pen got more than 10 million votes, and uh, in, the, in the parliamentary election, she only got eight seats. So uh, she cannot expect, unless there is a tsunami, which I do not believe, she cannot expect to uh, win a parliamentary majority, which means that the next step is clearly 2027. Six months ago, I would have said, well, she's 53, she's run for the third time, and she will not run for a fourth time. 
But uh, my opinion is quite different today. Uh, um, not only because um, this is quite a good showing by Le Pen, but also because there are little possibilities to have uh, another fellow emerge from that party before 2027 and be a credible uh, presidential candidate. Uh, Jordan Bardella is way too young. Marion Le Maréchal is out from the party and had joined the move. So obviously she must say, okay, uh, this is not so bad an election after all. One of the very important things is the, uh, the debate within the two rounds of the election. Uh, Marine Le Pen dismally failed in 2017. This was a total failure. But her debate in 2022 was pretty good. Uh, she did her best. So she has succeeded in uh, making the 2017 debate history and start from anew. So she gives her a chance to um, stand again in 2017 and 27 and win. And apparently, uh, what the French press says is that when she called President Macron to congratulate him on his victory, she said, uh, okay, uh, you've won, but uh, my, uh, my time will be in 2027. That's maybe only gossip, but I mean, that's, that's the way the French press relates to the interview. But time will tell, won't it, Genevieve? Vincent, can I ask you about the, the turnout for the election? There was some anxiety about the second round of voting, particularly on Sunday. It, it was 72% the lowest for over half a century. Is this an apathetic electorate and what, what accounts for this low turnout? No, I don't think you can say it's a pathetic uh, uh, electorate. On the contrary, I think uh, the abstention was caused by people who are, for some part of them, uh, very interested in politics, but considering that uh, the electoral system didn't grant them the possibility to express their vote in favor of a candidate that they really supported. And they considered that the choice that was given to them between Mr. Macron and Mrs. Le Pen was not a good choice. It was, it was a choice that... Uh, uh, what they call it was uh, between uh, the pest, the le cholera, you know, in French, meaning that between two diseases, between two evils, you had to choose the, the lesser one, and they refused to choose the lesser one. Um, many of, of those who refused to get into the voting were members of the moderate left who had their candidates eliminated from the first round, and, and they, uh, they've been considering that in the last 20 years, there was always them uh, creating some kind of a, an opposition to Marine Le Pen, preventing Mrs. Le Pen to be elected. And now part of them have been saying that they refuse to be in the same situation. So this electoral turnout says also a sort of democratic fatigue uh, regarding the French presidential election, without regarding an institutional system that uh, has like, huge problems uh, to represent, once again, the diversity of, of the opinions of the French people. Once again, this system has been created uh, in 1958, and especially after 1962, when, when the French president has been elected directly by the people. Uh, this system has been designed in a world in which, uh, in a landscape in which you had very well-installed political parties uh, that were gathering a large majority of, 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 French, of the French voters. But this situation is completely changed. The old parties are dying. The new parties are, are nebulous. Uh, they don't really gather together the same people all the time. And, and so personalization has never been so strong. And, and the polarization engendered by the election, I think, is of a nature 
that uh, creates a lot of frustration within the electorate. So all these reasons uh, create a feeling that uh, uh, the election did and did not take place at the same time. It, of course, it took place in the sense that Mr. Macron is legally elected, but that his political legitimacy is hindered by a debate that was not satisfying. And we've once again a second round in which you have an extreme right candidates representing indeed the large part of, of public opinion, let's say 25% of voters in the first round, which is less than that, less than 20% of registered voters, which is not the same, those who took part in the vote and those who are registered on, on the lists. And so there's a feeling there's some kind of a democratic kidnapping happening and that in a way they have no other choices than voting for, once again, Mr. Macron, which they criticize, and Mrs. Le Pen, who is a considered by them as an enemy of the Republic. So once again, and the situation uh, should be analyzed through the institutional lens. This is why I think the debate around the institutions will start again. It's been already starting. And I think it will be a very important um, uh, debate in the month and probably years to come. Well, shall we talk about the institutions, the parties? Does the, the result of this election indicate that the traditional left-right division in French politics is now gone? Is that your feeling, Geneve? No, I do not think so. Uh, first of all, because we saw the radical left perform quite well for the first time. And then because um, I believe there is still um, a conservative movement here in this country, the only thing is that the party, which is here to embody uh, counter-vetism is split between people uh, who, I would say, uh, in the UK would, uh, for some of them, sit on the benches of the most uh, liberal wing of the Conservative Party, and for some of them, uh, sit on the, bench and, uh, on the benches of UKIP, if UKIP was still relevant. So we have people on the, uh, on the one hand within the Conservative Party who probably uh, will join Macron because they are pro-Europe, they are pro-free market. They, uh, I mean, accept the multicultural society. And on the, on the other end, uh, we have radicalized people uh, who may be attracted to Zemmour rather than to, than to Le Pen, which is way more, uh, way to, I would say, uh, way too close to the working class, way too skeptical of free market economics. So uh, the, one of the problems we have is that there are still progressives and conservatives, left-wing people and right-wing people, but the, the political parties which exist at this time do not really uh, give satisfaction to those people. Maybe that's actually uh, the bet of Zemmour, I mean, uh, he launched his party in, in, in January, on January 5th, and uh, was the intent to attract disgruntled people from the mainstream Conservative Party, Les Républicains, uh, in case the party disappears after the uh, parliamentary election for lack of support, and for, for lack of financial uh, support of that. Uh, but we still have a left and right. The old political parties are dying, or they're more or less disappearing right now. But the political cultures remain. Uh, once again, it's not because the party doesn't have a very good result in the election that the people who believed in the ideas 
uh, let's say, carried by this party are disappearing as well. I mean, you, as Jean-Yves said, you have a very large trend of conservative people. It's not because the Republican Party has done such a dramatic scores, less than 5%. Um, I remind you, your, your uh, auditors, that... Uh, uh, the Republican Party is the party of Nicolas Sarkozy, uh, former party of Jacques Chirac. I mean, and, and this trend of public opinion exists. I mean, they're even very strong. But they say that they've been moving to other parties. Okay, they've been moving to partly to La République En Marche, partly to a new party emerging called Horizons, Horizon, uh, carried by former Prime Minister Edouard Philippe. And this trend is represented there, but it's split into different political uh, parties now. As for the left, uh, um, Jean-Yves were, were mentioning La, La France Insoumise as a radical left party. I mean, it used to be that, but as a matter of fact, the number of people who voted for Mr. Mélenchon, 22%, are not all from the radical left. A large part of them, at least half, come from the former social democratic left of the Socialist Party, or sometimes people who can be close from the Green Party, but they just considered that the most useful vote uh, for getting to the second round was Jean-Luc Mélenchon. There was a union by the base here. But this trend of left-wing political culture still exists, and they're probably even stronger than the last election, in the sense that now you have some sort of homogeneity of what people think in this political family, even though the different political parties defending the set of ideas carried by the left is very disunited. And, and there's a, now the question we asking ourselves right now, uh, us who are studying political science, is will the left be able to unite uh, in the perspective of the coming upcoming uh, parliamentary election? That's, that's the question. As for the extreme right, as, as Jean-Yves knows better than anybody else in France, because he's, he's the good, very the excellent specialist of this issue in this country, well, the, the Front National, the extreme right, has been existing for a very long time. Of course, now you have like another party emerging called Reconquête, carried by Éric Zemmour. We don't know whether this party will be successful or not. We don't know if the National Rassemblement National, ex-National Front, has a chance to be even stronger tomorrow, or maybe will explode in different uh, uh, fields. Maybe some part of this party will go to Reconquête. We don't know that yet, but... Uh, this, what we call the tripartition of French politics today, represents actually three different political families. Today, Macron, despite what he says as being a, a centrist candidate, actually is, is about to become the leader of the centre-right in this country. Uh, what is, is very original in this case is that in 2017, he was elected by a majority of social democrats, centre-left electors. But five years later, he's now is... Uh, uh, the leader of, of the centre-right and has been elected by a majority of people coming from this political family. But once again, it's not because there's a political realignment in this country. It's not because of that, that the traditional political cultures are, are completely disappeared. The events calendar is filling up here at Intelligence Squared. And to create each one, we obviously rely on some brilliant guests and onstage talent. But behind the scenes, there's also a producer, a production team, and the budget in the mix too. You've got to keep an eye on all of that stuff in one place. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. And you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because it's super easy to get started. NetSuite exists in the cloud, you see. No hardware needed. So you're cutting IT costs too. 
That's why over 37,000 companies have already made the move. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash squared. That's netsuite.com slash squared. netsuite.com slash squared. Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation of George Orwell's classic 1984 was pretty cool, and I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of Buddhist Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Listening to your analyses, I, I wonder what you think, if anything, Macron can do to unite a divided France, or, or do you see this this fragmentation as the future? I mean, time will tell in a way. I mean, you can't say it just started his second mandate. You can't really say, oh, no, it's impossible. Or yes, of course he will. Especially when you know that uh, French politics is the most exciting series <laughs> that can exist. You know, House of Cards in, in, in comparison is just a joke. You know, there's so many possibilities that we don't know what's going to happen. But let's say that when you look at the cards on the table right now, uh, you could say that uh, it's going to be very challenging for the president, very challenging because uh, his election uh, has been creating uh, more drama, more divisions that, that uh, one could have thought and probably certainly that he has thought in the first place. And so it's going to be very hard for him, considering that if you look at the first polls uh, that are coming out, now has been elected a majority of French people answering this poll say they want a cohabitation. That is to say that they don't want a political majority for La République En Marche, which is quite original. In 2017, the parliamentary election was just a confirmation scrutiny. It was just a confirmation election. People voted for Macron, so they wanted a majority for him because they didn't know him and they wanted him to be able to govern. But today, his very solitary practice of power, his very vertical practice of power, there's been so much criticized in this country, creates a situation in which many French voters want a counter power in, in the parliament. But by doing that, they might well prevent Macron to, to, to do his own political policy. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen in a month. But I think it creates a situation in which you have a very divided electoral body in which the president uh, uh, clearly has shown that his personality, his personal style, uh, and, and partly his policy has been creating uh, a lot of negative effects, a lot of rejects within uh, a large part of population, which actually makes me think of a bit what Nicolas Sarkozy was in the end of his first mandate around 2010-11, where a large part of the population really hated him at the time. And we are in the same situation today with Mr. Macron. And, and you can see here the discrepancy between the way the international audience perceives Mr. Macron, as he is a pro-European leader, liberal Democrats, uh, somebody who 
um, believes in the state of uh, the rule of law and, and defending democracy against populism. That's the way it's seen from the outside. But from the inside of the country, he's perceived as somebody who is very authoritarian, somebody who, who despises intermediary bodies, county powers, who has a very tough relation to the media, to the press, and somebody, in a way, who is not what he says. I mean, he always claims to be a very staunch Democrat, but his practice of power is sometimes uh, compared to some sort of illiberal leaders who are using democracy where he likes, but also be able to put it on the side when, where, when the circumstances uh, are different. So once again, if you want to understand the, the spirit in France today, you have to take that into account. The fact that Macron is a very contested leader, and even though a majority of, of French voters have been re-electing him, they are at the same time very worried about his practice of power, and also they think he will not be able to change. To change, sorry, is somebody with his personality, his style of policy, who will be the same in the next five years. So his real challenge is: Will he be able to propose something else? Geneviève, is that right? Is Macron the problem, or, or can he bring us some solutions to this divided France? What do you think? Well, I want to go uh, a bit further because. Uh, my question is, and I, I do not have an answer, does Macron really want to bridge the gap between the different uh, strata of French society? Uh, when he was elected five years ago, I think he had only one goal in mind. This is a fellow who thinks that, well, he's young, uh, he comes from the technocratic elite, uh, he's been a banker, uh, he certainly thinks that the French state is run in a very old-fashioned way, uh, with a lot of intermediate bodies that are, I mean, are not useful to democracy. And I think his goal is to abolish, and I say abolish, all the uh, what he sees as the old-fashioned uh, ways in French politics. So maybe he doesn't want to bridge. He want he just want to go on with his reform, regardless of the cost, because anyway he's been reelected for five years, and so uh, we already know from the campaigns that he wants to have his uh, pension uh, reform back uh, to Parliament shortly, and uh, he may very well say, okay, I only have five years to go. And I must do everything necessary so that at the end of my second term, France is run like a successful company. I think his model is that of a successful company. And the political system is completely reshuffled. And the old parties will totally have disappeared from the scene. And, well, does he really care about what will become of his, uh, of his party after he's gone? I'm not so sure. And, by the way, uh, the, uh, La République en Marche is not a real political party. And I, I do not think the president wants it to become a real political party. As, uh, it's uh, more than a fan club. I mean, it's a fan club for the president. So I think he will go on with his reform regardless of the cost. Can I ask about beyond France? Uh, can we, we broaden our view slightly? I want to ask specifically about Guadeloupe, Martinique and Réunion. These are the French departments, the, the territories whose voters don't fall into the stereotypical white, far-right Le Pen voter base. 
But in these places, like Guadeloupe and Martinique, they are voting for Le Pen. What's happening here? Do you have a sense of that? Fonson, it looks like you do have an answer. I can give you two answers. I think that in, in these overseas departments, uh, the pandemic has played a, a very dramatic role in, in completely reshuffling the political cards. These uh, territories have been suffering very much from the pandemic. Uh, they've been considering that the central state was acting with them uh, by... by uh, uh, by the um, shutdown, uh, I've been acting with them like the old colonial power has have been acting. So many of them, there was a very strong anti-vax. There was this very strong complotist uh, feeling that uh, this was done on purpose uh, against them, uh, against them as a society. And the fact that they have a very dramatic history of colonization makes that this was a first uh, uh, feeling um, that um, they were not respected by the current president and by the current government. I mean, they completely underlook the issue of uh, public health. Their, their question was, uh, they're forced to do a certain number of things. They're, once again, they're locked up. They are forced to take vaccination. And all these appeared with very painful memories of the past coming up to the surface. And I think that that's one of the first reasons why Macron is an impossibility for them. The second reason is that these overseas departments are significantly more poor than the rest of, 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 the, of the country. And, and in these departments, especially in Rain Island, the Gilets jaunes, the yellow vest crisis in 2018 was very much followed. And, and even Rain Island was one of the first places where the Gilets jaunes was so strong. And so there's also a social dimension to this vote for Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen appears as a candidate a lot closer from their concerns uh, and she's been traveling extensively in the overseas departments in order also to talk to these people by saying, well, when I'm talking about immigration, I am not a racist because I believe that you've been French for 300 years. You are the real French people. I don't care what color you are, but we have the same problem. You have problems because also you have islands around your islands who wants to emigrate to your country, Haiti for Guadeloupe and Martinique, uh, uh, but also Mayotte and, and the Comoro Islands next to Rain Island, and there's a lot of uh, uh, illegal immigration. So you're suffering the consequences of uh, unregulated immigration. Of course, it's not the same immigration as on mainland France, but you understand the problems. I'm closer from your concerns, especially because I know that you're suffering on an everyday basis from uh, very high prices. Uh, you're suffering from a very large number of unemployed people. And I understand you. And that's something that Macron has not done at all. He's, he appears completely cut off from these realities because Macron appears once again as a candidate for rather the upper, the middle class, the upper middle class, a certain France that, that does very well. But this France is underrepresented in these departments. So I think that the mix between a, a social reality and uh, what happened during the pandemic explain also why there's been a shift of vote for Mrs. Le Pen, considering the fact that in the history of these departments, the Front National and Rassemblement National later historically did very small uh, results, very, very low results. I mean, I remind you that 20 years ago, I think that Mr. Le Pen in the second round of the election in Rain Island was less than 3%. So you can imagine the, uh, the work has been done by the Rassemblement National to, to gather these votes. Jeanne, we could talk about the minority vote in, in France itself too. It, it said that Muslims in France overwhelmingly voted for the far left Jean-Luc Mélenchon in the first round. Why is Macron a secondary option for these communities? Well, first of all, uh, what I have to explain is that uh, in France, it's very difficult to say this or that community has voted 
uh, for this or that party because we do not recognize minorities as such and we do not have a census of minorities. So actually on my identity card, I'm a, I'm a French citizen full stop. Uh, I'm Jewish, but I, it doesn't appear anywhere. So we have many difficulties in, uh, I would say, uh, making surveys which uh, are satisfactory from a scientific point of view. And uh, I mean, those are only guesses. What we can say is that in uh, those banlieues and those neighborhoods of Paris, where the Muslim and the uh, African population is strong, the vote uh, in the majority went to Mélenchon. But once again, as Vincent said, uh, those people did not vote for uh, La France Insoumise and Mélenchon. Some of them did out of, uh, I mean, real knowledge and real belief in, in the uh, ideology of Mélenchon, but many others are just social democrats or, or Green Party uh, people who said, okay, the official uh, social democratic candidate is doomed to failure, so we have to vote uh, vote, vote utile, as we say in French, and so uh, we'll cast a vote for Mélenchon, so it's very difficult to say. What is certain is that on the issues of uh, ethnicity and religion, uh, Macron has tried to, uh, I would say, be a strong man. He closed many mosques, many radical mosques. Uh, we have an interior minister who comes from the conservative right, so maybe he was seen as a uh, not that uh, open to uh, religious diversity, uh, while Mélenchon is strictly secular, strictly secular, but uh, I would say shows more empathy towards minorities. That's the only thing we can say. Another, another interesting thing with uh, regard to the uh, minority vote is that a significant number of Jewish votes, apparently, and I, I want to stress apparently, went to Zemmour, especially in the western suburbs of Paris, in the most affluent districts of Paris on the western side of the city, in some uh, affluent neighborhoods uh, in the suburbs, in the um, uh, southeastern um, south suburbs of Paris, in, uh, in some cities with a huge Jewish community. Uh, this has to be researched. I mean, we cannot say for sure. Uh, that this is a huge vote, but it, 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 there seems to be something here. It's such a complicated picture, and you've given us such a fascinating insight. Just to close very quickly, what is your forecast for the next presidential election? Jean-Yves? Once again, we have to go back to the institutions. Uh, since we elect uh, members of parliament after the president, there has been a constant trend uh, so that the electorate gives the uh, elected president a significant boost to his majority, which normally will mean that the president will get a significant majority. But, once again, this has been a very special election. The president won by 58%, but the country has never been so divided. This is not a vote for Macron, this is a vote against Le Pen. So there's a possibility that notwithstanding the fact that we do not have proportional once again, uh, the French will want to, uh, I would say, have a counterweight to the, to the power of the president and elect an opposition lower house. 
Okay. Vonson, what do you think? What's your forecast, Vonson? I would add that uh, I think the institutional mechanisms makes that there probably will be some sort of majority for Macron. I think so, to, to this moment, uh, for, for two reasons. The first one is because I think it's going to be a tough election for the National Front, for the Rassemblement National. As Jean-Yves said, you know, last time she was 10 million votes and she got eight seats in Parliament. I think she probably will have a lot more now, but uh, that's from eight to uh, half of uh, 577 seats. You know, that's, that's, that's a very big gap. And I don't think she can have that, uh, even with the support of uh, the members of Reconquête, the Zemmourian party. As for the left, if the left gets into some sort of union, which is uh, on the way and I think will happen, uh, I think it's going to be a bit short to have a majority, but probably the left will be the main opposition in Parliament. And that's going to be very exciting to see, actually, because that's something that even a, a few months ago, nobody could have guessed. And I think that's, that's about to happen. If the left, once again, gets into a union between La France Insoumise, the Socialist Party, the Greens, and the Communist Party, the four main forces of, of, of the moderate left today, of, from the moderate to the radical left, well, they will probably do a very large result. And I think that even then, it's going to be a bit too short to get the majority, even though we see Jean-Luc Mélenchon on the poster saying, elect me as a prime minister, showing that uh, there's a cannibalization uh, of the uh, parliamentary elections by the presidential election, as if we were doing a third round, as if there was a possibility of a third round in which Mélenchon would probably hope to be elected prime minister, as he says. Um, but I think that this majority for Mr. Macron, if it happens, will be very unstable, also because it will probably get the support of this new party uh, led by Edouard Philippe Horizon, who is a, a lot more a classical right-wing party, uh, welcoming those from the uh, former Republican Party or for, from the Republican Party who wants to join some sort of a presidential majority. But these people are preparing for the future. In this future, Macron will not be there because we know it's the final term. So um, for Macron, there's going to be dual difficulty. First of all, having, I think, more opposition in the parliament than in the past, but also having internal opposition from his presidential majority that will tackle him on a certain number of issues, trying to push him in certain directions, exactly in the same way as if we go back to the past in the 1970s, when Giscard d'Estaing, the former president, who actually looks a bit like Macron in many ways, uh, had a, a young Jacques Chirac uh, bringing a majority in 1974 to the parliament. But this majority was also a, some sort of the Leviathan or Damocles sword on, on the head of the president at the time, pushing him in some direction that sometimes the president did want to go. And that might be the same for Mr. Macron. So my forecast is, let's say, a majority for the president, more, more unstable than in 2017, and, and a strong, probably a positional group from uh, the left and, and partly from the extreme right. We will watch with great interest and invite you both back to talk us through it then too. Thank you so much, Vincent Martinier and Jean-Yves Camus. You can continue this conversation on Twitter. Head over to at Intelligence Squared to have your say on whether Macron paved the way for populism and the era of Le Pen in France. You've been listening to Intelligence Squared. I'm Shahid Abari. Thank you for listening and do join me again for our next debate. <laughs>